1: A pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown Land. I am Vince D'Addario. That is Ryan Roberts, and we are in here today to talk about the Notre Dame schedule. Brian and I kicked things off last week. We talked about teams. We ranked the schedule. We talked about teams twelve through seven. And today, Ryan Roberts are gonna Brian's gonna pick up the baton for Brian, and we are gonna go teams six through one, and we're gonna talk about the you know all about these teams. And again. We're not going to go you know, super in-depth on each team, but just kind of the strengths, the weaknesses, things like that. And then, of course, we will do individual previews of each team as we get closer to the season and all that. But this is fun. This is going to be a lot of fun, Ryan. I'm, I'm really pumped to get into it. But before we do, there is a little bit – I wouldn't call it breaking news. I would call it news. And it has Notre Dame Nation all a buzz and all of Twitter about, you know, should Notre Dame do this, should Notre Dame do that. We know Notre Dame is in the market for a 23-quarterback. It was a quarterback that decommitted from an ACC school, Florida State. I've seen it in multiple different areas. Should we go after this guy? He looks like a dude, et cetera, et cetera. Ryan, your opinion on this young man, number one, and then number two, whether he is a fit at Notre Dame and whether they're going after him.
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a ton yesterday on the show, right, because it was a quarterback-driven conversation. I do like Chris Parson. He's kind of a player that lives outside of structure. He's like one of those dudes, Vince, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. When you're a defensive coach and you have a quarterback hemmed in, and then he just keeps evading pressure and keeps extending the play. He's ahead so it. frustrating. It's, it's so frustrating. frustrating. <laughs> Cause you have, you have gap intake, you have your pass rush integrity, right? You have your lanes and he's dead to rights and he still somehow magically gets out right. of, out of, out of the way. And, makes a play and that's what Chris Parson is you know he's not a dynamic runner but he's a dynamic extender good player uh, just overall so I do like Chris Parson and in the show yesterday I said if I was Notre Dame I'd make the call and just see like what's up you know are you at that time he wasn't yet decommitted from Florida State but we had heard rumblings that that was coming sure. soon from everything I'm hearing though I, I don't think Notre Dame's going to get into the fray with it I, I don't think that it's a Good fits just from both sides. I don't think it's a move that they're going to make. We t- we've talked a lot about this, and that's why we did the show yesterday. Also, Novosad and Kenny Minchie, I think, are the two targets for Notre Dame that they are really focused in on and they're lasered in on. And I think that those are going to be the guys that, if they're able to flip either one of them, because Sad is obviously committed to Baylor. Minch right. is committed to Pittsburgh. So you're going to have to flip someone. I think that they have kind of zeroed in on those two players, though. So I would not expect okay. them to get into the race for Chris Parson. It's a, definitely a conversation because I do think he's a talented football player and he's now on the market. But I ultimately think that they are, they're They have their eyes set on Austin Nova or or uh, Kenny Minchie if they can get one of those players to flip.
1: And this is, it's not exactly crunch time per se, but the two guys that they're going after are both committed someplace else. So yep. they, they kind of got to make their play. <coughs> excuse me. They got to make their play now, right?
3: Are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: Yeah, no, they do, because I mean, the thing is, Vince, especially with Austin Novasad, because he's been a guy that's been perceived as flippable for a little bit, right? So. But he's talked to us and John Garcia talked about it yesterday from SI All American that Austin wanted to try to get things figured out this month, though. Like if he's going to flip, he wants to do it now and he wants gotcha. to shut things down because he's one of those kids that like, he wants to fi- get this finished before his senior season starts. Right. Like, I like, like that. Welling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, dwelling into the fall and it's a, it is a very distracting thing. I mean, and it's a nuanced thing, but it's also, it's hectic this time of year for high school recruits. So it sounds like that could be extended a little bit because he has Ohio State coming after him. He's got Notre Dame now coming after him. He's got Texas A&M coming after him. So a lot of really high caliber programs are coming out of no, after Austin yeah, noticed right. Nobody's talked really about Kenny Minchie, like how flippable he is. We've talked a lot about that yesterday a little bit. I think it's possible because I do think that there is interest from both sides, obviously. So we're going to see if he's willing to, get out of the pick commitment, or if he's willing to, you know, kind of at least listen to Notre Dame's pitch in, in that term. And we've already seen the, we've already seen the offer extended to Austin Nova Sad. We're expecting the offer to Kenny Minchie to come very soon here. So gotcha. I think that those are the two pulls. And I mean, to your point, most players want to get this over with by the start of their senior season. So yes. like after the Dante thing kind of dwelled on for a while, Notre Dame doesn't need to kick this up because they're pretty much starting. They did, they did, recruit Kenny Minchie at one point a little bit never offered him so they have some work that they've already put in on that on that regard but Austin Novosad's a completely new guy to this board so they're gonna have to try to put in work very quickly on a guy they haven't had deep conversations with at this point
1: okay so that's where everything stands with the 23 quarterback scenarios with Notre Dame and uh, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun kind of down the stretch and see where this thing goes I mean it's it's open again and you know, we've got we've got people in both corners, I think. There's the Minchie corner, there's the Novosad corner, there's the, hey, let's keep an eye on every other quarterback that exists with 23 after their name corner as well. And uh, <laughs> we, we saw a little bit of that when this kid decommitted from Florida State. So thanks for yep. filling us in. Appreciate that. Well, and I'll, say, I'll just say this too, Vince, yeah. before we jump
2: completely in, it's a really good quarterback class. So, fortunately, yes. yes, depending on what corner you're in, you're probably rooting for a good football player. So, it's, it's not that's a bad good situation call. to be. That's it's a good not call. A bad situation to be.
1: I've seen a lot of people out there, hey, you know, Notre Dame can't be picky. They got to take what they can get. You know, beggars can't be choosers, like that kind of stuff. And it's like, that's not the case that Notre Dame is sitting in right now because of the depth of this class. And, 100%. you know, yes they went all in on Dante Moore for all the reasons that were outlined you know over the past few days I understand it I get it but they had kind of a soft landing on that whole thing because of how deep the 23 class is and so they're going to end up with a really good quarterback no matter who it is if it's Nova Sad if it's Minchie if it's some other guy that we haven't talked about they're going to end up with a good kid I mean these are four star you know caliber type kids if i'm not mistaken so i know that's more your territory than it is mine but i've watched their film both these boys yeah. play 100
2: percent. now they're both they're both 200 mm. caliber players in my opinion i know brian right. kind of shares a similar sentiment i think there's a conversation over you know which ones i think we just had a question that will kind of hit during the mailbag section of this show but there's going to be some you know push one way or the other because they're very different players right so like it's examining the fit. It's kind of understanding what's the ceiling, what's the floor right, and right. really understanding like which one fits best into what the current quarterback room is.
1: So it's a fascinating conversation. It is a fascinating conversation and I look forward to continuing to have it over the next few weeks. And uh because look, high school football season is literally right around the corner. It is about 3 weeks away, frankly. Uh at least in Indiana, August 1st is day 1. So these guys are going to want to have some stuff figured out, I would imagine, before they start things off. So This thing could come to a head here pretty quickly, so I'm excited about that. We will have a mailbag, as Ryan said uh, earlier. We're going to get through our second half of the ranking of the schedule, and then we will have a mailbag. So if you want to hold off on your questions until towards the end, then you can start throwing them in. If we see some questions, we'll star them. We'll put them in there. There's some good conversation going on in the chat, as there always is. But we're going to focus now on the top half of the Notre Dame 2022 schedule. Where we see these teams falling, just as a recap for our friends out there, the bottom half, we had UNLV 12, we had Navy 11, we had Cal as number 10, Marshall was number 9, Stanford was 8, and Syracuse was 7. So those were the bottom six, and so now we're going to jump into the top half, and let's kick it off from our boys on Tobacco Road from North Carolina, Notre Dame is going to make that trip down to North Carolina. It's an interesting part of the schedule, frankly. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of has a little bit of something to do with where this team is located or ranked, I should say. But our sixth place team is the North Carolina Tar Heels. Ryan, your thoughts on North Carolina coming into this season, having to replace an NFL drafted quarterback?
2: Yeah, I I think, Vince, you hit the nail on the head with it's an interesting part of the schedule because obviously starting out with Ohio State, you have a couple Marshall-Cal, not the hardest games in your schedule, and then you kind of hit a little bit of a nice little uptick as far as the caliber of of teams that you're going to play. North Carolina's sandwiched right between Cal and in front of BYU, and we're expecting BYU to be a pretty physical football game, right? So North Carolina, I think, brings a completely different style from the teams that are kind of around them in the schedule, which can make it tough at times, right? Like you're preparing for a team that is very different than what's around the, the remaining schedule. So you're preparing for something that's completely different from a stylistic perspective. But to your point, last year you're losing Sam Howell, who got drafted in the fifth round by right. the Washington Commanders. The Commanders. But I would argue, Vincent, I don't know if you agree with this, I think... And this is all respect to Sam Howell because he had a great game against Notre Dame last year. There's he did. no doubt about I it. I mean, he was a
1: one man show. Let's be honest. I mean, he he was. Beyond, yeah. We just talked about quarterbacks that that play. You know, uh, what was the word that you used outside the system or whatever, whatever the term you use, out of structure. Out, of structure, out of structure. Thank you very yeah. much. Yep, that was him. I mean, that that was his whole game in that particular game, and it gave yep. Notre Dame fits, absolute fits. Sure Did yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, if we're evaluating just the fact
2: that, like, hey, you're losing Howell, who was a great player for North Carolina for a few years and had a great game against Notre Dame, it's obviously going to be different. Whether that is Jacoby Gris- uh, Griswold or if it's Drake Drake May, I think is in the conversation with, with uh, Chiswell, excuse me, uh, Criswell. I keep saying the wrong word. Uh, Jacoby <laughs> Criswell, or it's Drake May as the starting <clears> quarterback. <throat> it's going to look a lot different, but I don't think difference necessarily a bad thing because I think yeah. one thing about Sam Howell last year is the highs were always high, right? Like he had a great game against Notre Dame, but I do think as a whole season perspective, he pressed a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and there was, I think there was times where he tried to do a little bit too much and North Carolina is going to be replacing a lot of offensive linemen, Jordan Tucker and Marcus McKeithen and Joshua Zuna, they're all gone from the team, but sometimes addition by subtraction is a good thing, sure. right? Because their offensive line is sure. not good right. for North Carolina, but what I do know they're going to have is the guy that gave them the most fits last year was Josh Downs, who is sure. a dynamic, dynamic wide receiver. So I, it's a funky game for me because I don't really know what to expect offensively. Like, I yeah. know what system they're going to run. They're not going to change their system. They're still going right. to run the Phil Longo spread, like, it, their air raid mm-hmm. system. Sure. sure. But without Sam Howell pressing as much, without being a one-man show – is it a more balanced attack? Do we get right. kind of the both sides? Is the running game more of an implementation? Are they going to use Josh Downs in different ways? Because I could see him doing some jets, doing end arounds, working from the slot, working a little bit outside. Sure. So I think that's an interesting game because there's a lot of differences from the North Carolina teams that we saw last year. And there are some athletes. There was absolutely some athletes on this offense, especially.
1: Well, and, and also obviously bringing in a new defensive coordinator. Uh, that that's going to be an interesting because we all know the defense wasn't very good at North Carolina. They got a bunch of returners addition
2: by subtraction. There you go. They got
1: a (laughs) bunch of returning starters on defense, but it's going to be a different scheme, you know, offensively, they've only got four returning starters and that is going to be very, and one on the offensive line, as you had mentioned. So, you know, what's that going to look like? I, I there's, I have too many questions about North Carolina to put them higher on the list and. And frankly, there was a bit of a debate between Brian and I as to where we were going to put North Carolina and BC kind of like, okay, which one do you put higher? And quite simply, I said BC should be higher because they have an established quarterback. And it's fair. I I like what they have offensively. I like where they were going when they had a healthy quarterback, et cetera. And we'll get to them in a minute, but Mm -hmm. North Carolina has those question marks right now where BC does not. So that was my big thing as to why I put North Carolina at six and then BC a little higher. I
2: know I talked a lot about the offense, obviously in the introduction, but I mean, they have, they have some guys, like I mentioned Josh Downs sure, a little sure. bit as a, as a guy that I think is one of the better wide receivers that they're going to see. I, I think for me, Vince too, I, I, what I want to mention is you mentioned Jay Bateman's obviously out as the defensive coordinator. They have a new, new defensive coordinator coming in. Gene I think that there's a lot. So yeah. A name. I, I think, yeah. It's a great name. I mean, yeah. Gene Chizik has historically been a good defensive coach. So, like, I think that he's going to do good in that department. I, my, my point, though, I was, you know, trying to get to, but I kind of ramble at some points. But <laughs> North that's Carolina cool. has more talent defensively than I think was able to be shown by Jay Bateman because I, I think, think that you have Tony Grimes a corner, who I think is going to break out this year. I think he's going to be a great player as a junior. Miles Murphy's a really talented defensive lineman there. They have Raymond Vorisak coming back, who's been a very solid player. And they have Noah Taylor transferring in, who's kind of like the rush linebacker for Virginia. So I think there's some talent on North Carolina defensively. So if North Carolina takes a step defensively and they get a little more balanced offensively without playing so much hero ball, it could be a tough out. I'm not saying, I mean, obviously Notre Dame should win that football game. There's no doubt about it. But I do think that North Carolina presents an interesting... They're a very interesting matchup, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think they are a very interesting matchup because of all the question marks. It makes it more interesting to me, right? Because you you yeah. mentioned it. They've got a lot of guys coming back defensively who could be good. It's like they sure. they were they were they were not good because of the scheme. Maybe now that they can be good in a different scheme, et cetera, that remains to be seen. I don't, I don't know. Um, and so it's gonna be interesting to see what this team brings to the table, you know, as far as you know, they're this team could be better then how do I want to say this? I almost feel like their record could be better, ne- better than the team could be as well, looking at their schedule. I mean, the schedule is not exactly daunting. Now, granted, it's the ACC. So the ACC is not all that daunting. You know, that's understood. But, you know, they they should be 3-0 and going into the Notre Dame game. I mean, they open up with Florida A&M, Appalachian State, and Georgia State. I mean, good grief. How could you not be 3-0 and going into the Notre Dame game? And then, of course, they welcome Notre Dame to North Carolina. So that's, that's their second home game of the year. But then the rest of their schedule, I mean, they've got Virginia Tech, Miami, Duke, Pittsburgh, Virginia, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and NC State. I mean, not exactly Murderer's Row. You know, NC State, I think, is the best team in North Carolina right now. So that's their last game. That's their rivalry game. It's a big game for them. But other than that, I mean, Miami's doing a great job on the recruiting trail, but they're not there yet right and you know i don't know i'm not that impressed with their schedule so they could be a 10 and 2 football team pretty easily i think
2: i think they're a volatile team too right because like we're going to talk about usc during this segment as well and it's like usc i have no idea exactly what they're going to be i think they're going to be a like an eight and four nine and three type of team but like could they be 10 and 2 sure could they be six and six in their first year Riley. Also sure, I also yeah. think that this team though I think North Carolina's a little bit volatile too like if you told me they're six and six this year, I'd be like, yeah, okay <laughs> if you told me I think Archer said something about it in the chat like if they're nine and three I'd be like also okay like I, I could see that that happening right. right so like there's right a lot of different outcomes for this North Carolina team which I think makes it pretty interesting.
1: yeah, absolutely so that's North Carolina they are our number six team in this ranking. I kind of alluded to it already between North Carolina and Boston college. uh, We placed Boston college in the fifth slot for numerous reasons. I personally think that they're more of a complete team going into the season, which I think is going to, you know, benefit them. I mean, they, they open up, they don't open up with the three game slate that North Carolina opens up with. They've actually got a little bit of, uh, you know, they got Rutgers and then Virginia tech, their second game of the season is a conference game, right? So I just feel like they're more complete, especially offensively. They've got more returning starters. Now, granted, they're return they are replacing almost their entire offensive line, which is when you've got a good quarterback, that's great. Uh, but you need to you need to get that sorted out. But I have I have faith in what Boston College can do there. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like they're more of a complete team, Ryan. Uh what what say you about Boston College?
2: Yeah, I, I think that it's an interesting conversation between North Carolina and Boston College, which you alluded to when you kind of intro North Carolina a little bit. I think the difference to your point is Boston College has a good quarterback. It's I, I, this one's a little different, though, for me, Vince, I would have been much more OK with this ranking if like Christian Mahogany just got hurt for them. Right. He was a lone returning starter. I mean, I know that. Um, yeah, no,
1: you're right. I,
2: I know that they had like Jack Conley that started a couple games last year while while um what's his name Avrable was hurt or whatever. But I mean they are breaking in literally five new stars on the offensive line. They have Zay Flowers coming back, who's a yeah. really dynamic wide receiver. Jalen Gill is a good football player, and that um that Pat Garwo kid, the running back. I just watched a little bit of him yesterday. That kid's a tough little bowling ball, man. Like he's not <laughs> a dynamic player, but like breaks a lot of tackles. He's got kind of that short strider feel to him, but He's a tough little football player, man. So I think they should be able to run the football pretty well as long as the offensive line is decent enough. They'll have George Takis that's going to be playing some tight end for them as well. I know their other tight end, Joey Lucchetti, is not a bad football player as well. So I think the as long as Phil is healthy coming into this game, I think that he presents a big challenge for you, especially when he, ha- he should have a running game behind him. My biggest question is, I don't know what to expect from that defense. I know their, sure. their secondary is pretty good. I mean, they got Josh DeBerry coming back, who's a pretty good football player. I know Elijah Jones has been a solid player. Jaden Woodby's kind of playing that safety linebacker hybrid role. So I think the secondary should be pretty good. But the rest of the defense, I don't think, is great. But I mean, ultimately, I think it's all going to be about just how explosive this team and how consistent they can be sure. running the football offensively, because I think that's what presents the most challenges, in my opinion.
1: Well, and the, with the type of offense that they run, if you don't have a running game, you're in trouble. I mean, they do a lot of play action. They like to get Phil out of the pocket. You know, they they don't want him just to stand because that's not his game anyway, right? And and I, what I will say is, Jeff Hafley has done a really good job of calling plays and put making his offense about Phil Jakovic, and I, and I think yeah. that's what Notre Dame failed to do because they didn't have him in the starting lineup. Obviously, they they didn't play to yeah. his strengths. Okay. I'll say that. I think Phil Halfley's done a really good job of that. And um, I, th- or excuse me, Jeff Halfley. I think I said Phil for some reason. Said Phil Jakovic. Phil Jakovic. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. But <laughs> I, I do think he's done a very good job of that. He lets Phil kind of do his thing. And that benefits this offense. Having say flowers back, I think is huge too, because I believe he had a decision to make about going to the NFL or coming back to school. And he chose he to come back to it. school. And that, That is massive because that is obviously Phil's deep threat, and Phil has a beautiful deep ball. Always has, always will. And I I think this offense can be scary dangerous, but you're right. They need to have a run game. If they don't have a run game, this offense isn't going to go anywhere. You can't put everything on the shoulders and the legs and the arm of Phil Jakovic. That's not going to work. He's going to need help. And if that offensive line isn't at the very least – salvageable you know then they're going to struggle offensively so that's a that's a really good point that you made ryan about the run game i I think that's really really important
2: yeah well i think i think that garwo kid is maybe most underrated running back in the acc maybe one of the most underrated in the country you know like he quietly had a thousand yards last year despite the fact that for the majority of the season Phil Dracovic was out with an injury, right? Like right. they had a their backup quarterback playing and they were still successful. Obviously they had a good offensive line, a very veteran offensive line. So that helps everything. But sure, sure. I mean, the kid had a really nice season. So I think if they're able to run the football against Notre Dame, then that's going to present some opportunities. Because I think to your point, Vince, like they have a couple weapons out wide. Zay Flowers is a good football player. And if they're able to get a good running game, I mean, fill off a play action, just be able to kind of stretch the field vertically. I, I think that that's, that that's where it gets a little, that's where it gets a little interesting for me if you're Notre sure. Dame and how you're going to defend the play action game if they're able
1: to establish a running yeah, game early. Absolutely. And then, of course, just to throw some, some interest into this game, it's the last home game of the season for Notre Dame. It's senior day. Phil's coming back. All of these different things. Right, right before USC as well. Yeah, so no, I, I, this is a classic trap game. Frankly, you know where where it falls on the schedule. I mean, you're you're coming off a of Navy. That's not obviously, but you're also coming off of Clemson. So it's Clemson, Navy, Boston College, Southern Cal. If Notre Dame is where they should be record-wise going into this game, there's a lot of people, not necessarily saying the team, but there's going to be a lot of people. That are going to be looking past Boston College to Southern Cal and and what they bring to the table if they're having a good season. I mean that that could be a a huge matchup at the end of the season, depending on how USC is, depending on where yep. Notre Dame is. People are going to be looking past Boston College. I could definitely see that. Now, I don't think that happens inside the Goog, but I think you sure. know pe- people that we associate with and fans. They could be looking past this game. And I think that that is like the definition of a trap game. And also, I think
2: we talked about this before. You have Navy the week before, triple option team. You have USC the week after. It's going to be an air raid team. And then you're facing a pro style team right in the middle, right? Like that's just you're working against three different schemes in three different weeks. So it's kind of a weird preparation basis, Right. right? So I think that's another thing where it could fit into a trap game because I, I don't think Notre Dame has to get up to play against Boston college. Cause that's like, they're kind of looked at as the little brother to Notre Dame. Yes. So like they want to continue to make them look like the little brother, brother to Notre Dame. But the fact that you're playing a triple option team right in the Boston college, and then also have to start preparing for an air raid team the week after. Sure. I think that's where it gets a little funky for, when it went for um, Al Golden, obviously down the stretch of the season.
1: Absolutely. No, no question about it. So that, I think BC is going to be. I, I think you could easily put this game a little bit higher, uh, not only because of who the team is, but where it falls on the schedule. Mm-hmm. But we have them at five, and I think that's a pretty solid place considering the four teams that are above them. Agree. Let's move let's let's move on to the next one. And we you mentioned it in the last sentence, and that's why this, this you know, we don't have Brian here to be ma- the master of Segway. We've got Ryan, the master of Segway. Our number four team are the USC trojans southern cal last game of the season on the road i this one's tough for me because again i think i could have flip-flopped three and four potentially but the question marks abound for usc so i think it's it's a very similar argument for me as to why i had bc above north carolina which is also i think why i have usc where i have them because they have so many questions they got skilled players coming out the wazoo. They got a brand new coaching staff. A lot of new happening at USC. It's like almost a complete roster turnover. But who are they going to be? And they're playing in the Pac-12. What kind of competition is going to be there? I think they could almost sleepwalk into an eight-win season. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. how are they going to look doing it? Where are they going to be in you know this game by the time the Notre Dame gets to them in their twelfth game? There, there's a lot of question marks here.
2: There is a whole lot of question marks. I think that going what it's going into USC's advantage is that it's the last game of the season, right? So like they should have a lot of those transitional things kind of figured out at that point, right? Like guys should mm-hmm. kind of, well, that guy should definitely be fitted into their role and they should be comfortable with what their role is on the team. So that one should not sure. be too much of a concern. And also it could be a massive game, Vince. Cause I mean, like you said, these two teams could have really good records coming in this week. So this could be almost a play in game. Maybe, I mean, we'll see what happens with Notre Dame, but if Notre Dame goes in this week and they're 10 and one or 11 and zero, like sure. obviously this game is of massive importance. I, I don't know what to expect from USC. I'll be very honest. Like I, they have a lot of names. There's a whole lot of names. Caleb Williams, a really talented football player, obviously sure. transferring from Oklahoma. Travis Dye was a thousand yard rusher for Oregon last year. Good football player. You have the Belitnikov Award winner and Jordan Addison coming over from Pitt. You have Mario Williams, another talented receiver coming from Oklahoma. You have Brandon Rice, the son of Jerry Rice, transferring over from Colorado, who I think is a good football player that was just very much underutilized. You yep. have Garrett Bryant coming back at wide receiver. You have Terrell Bynum transferring in. I mean, the skill position is going to be really good yeah. at USC. It's dynamic. It's a lot of playmakers. You have you only have one football to throw around, but wherever that football is going, you're going to get into the hands of a really talented <laughs> football player. I mean, I even mentioned Malcolm Epps, who's like a pretty talented kind of like slot tight end hybrid, right? Like the talented, talented receivers and running backs in this situation so there's gonna be a lot of options they even had Austin um Austin Jones who transferred in from Stanford as well who's a decent running back who's gonna kind of back up guy so there's a lot of options Vince my biggest question is offensive line I think I mean it year was bad
1: like it it wasn't
2: like man it wasn't okay it wasn't average it was bad
1: no it was bad it wasn't
2: a great team right and you have you have your best one coming back I mean Andrew Voorhees was a pretty good guard for them last year and you have Brett Nalen who is a solid starting center but outside of that man like you don't have a lot returning as far as starting options and I mean I just don't know what to expect from this offensive line I don't expect it to be a great unit and then that defense again they got a lot of names I mean Shane Lee transfers in from Alabama you have Makai Blackman transferring in Latrell McCutcheon was a cornerback a high recruiting kid that was at Oklahoma that's transferring in you have names there but last year was not wasn't wasn't good and I, I don't know if you have I think you're transferring in a couple good players, but I don't know if there's many difference makers that transferred in for to USC. So I don't think their defense is going to be very good. I don't think they I think their offensive line is going to be kind of bad, to be honest. I don't, I don't know if it'll be much better than last year, if I'm being completely honest with you, the wide receivers and the running backs will be dynamic. So I think they're going to be able to score some points, but are they going to be able to stop a team like a Notre Dame that we, right. we think that their offense is going to be really good or just in general. So I think where you win football games is, of course, you need good quarterback play. You need to score points. But at the end of the day, if you can't protect your quarterback and you can't get any push up front and you can't play defense, you're not going to win a ton of football games. So right, I, so right. they might win some games because they're in a depleted Pac-12. But when you're playing against a good football team, in theory, I just don't know what the end result going to be. So sure. I, I don't, I don't have big expectations for USC as far as being a legit, legit team. Good team not legit you know yeah
1: opinion. I I think they'll they'll win games just based on their talent alone right from their skill talent I mean especially conference games they're, they're gonna win those games I I mean I just yeah. I, I think that they will and just be ready for the USC hype train that that's all I'll say be, be ready for the USC hype train going into the Notre Dame game depending if they have eight wins going into Notre Dame okay even mm-hmm. eight or more, we'll say eight plus. If they have eight plus wins going into Notre Dame, it's their last game of the season, as well as Notre Dame's. Now, they may have a conference championship, you know, to upcoming, you know, that kind of a thing. But man, if they're eight or nine wins going into that game, man, the hype train is going to be nuts going into that final game. You know, Notre Dame, if they've got 10 wins going into that game, you know, game day will be out there. It'll be, oh, USC is the future and all this stuff. And then and I just want to see Notre Dame just go in there and just smack them. Just physically put them to bed. That that's that would be the ideal scenario for me. Hype them up. Do it. Hype them up like crazy. <laughs> Sounds like fun. And then Notre Dame just puts the beat down physically on the Trojans, just to remind them that they're not there yet. Like that's what I want. Uh man, I, I would love a beat down in that last game. And especially because you know.
2: I like Lee Corso, but you know he's gonna be rocking that Trojan headgear, man. When he makes that oh, pick, it's gonna it's, it's gonna be happening, man. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be something. But I, I I mean, again, I think that we talked about it with North Carolina, and I kind of alluded to this to USC. They're the most volatile team, I think, on the schedule because I think they could be sure. a, a good team, or they could just be an average to like below average team. Like I don't know exactly what you're gonna get out of USC because. I mean, yeah, you're bringing up all this talent from Oklahoma, but Oklahoma wasn't exactly a great team last year either. So I, I whenever you have a bad offensive line and a subpar defense, I have a hard time kind of buying into you. So sure. We'll see.
1: Exactly. And, I, you know, look, you you and I have coached. We played. We, we've been around football for a long time. It's great that you've got skill guys that can go out and do amazing things. That's awesome. You want that. You, you need that. But if you're asking me to put together a team, I'm starting on the inside and I'm working my way out. If you don't have good guys in the trenches, you're it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really hard unless you just completely out athlete everybody on your schedule, and that's that's just that's not going to be the case every game you play. Not every week, no, right? Not every week. Yeah, I agree. So that, I think that's where my skepticism of USC comes into play. Now, granted, look, we we've got them as the fourth best team on Notre Dame's schedule. That, that's nothing to sneeze at right but they're not in the conversation with the top two teams not even close in my opinion and it's going to take them a while to get there and I will touch on your recruiting prowess right now Ryan they're not getting those big uglies in the, on the recruiting trail really either at the moment and so I don't know man if you're a USC fan things aren't really looking good for the future either as far as the trenches are concerned
2: well, I mean, because I think the, the direct comparison is going to be obviously Lincoln Riley's the new head coach, right? Like what happened at Oklahoma? They had all good offensive lines for the most part, but I even think to like the defense for a second, right? Like it right. was always a problem under Oklahoma. Like they got Alex Grinch to come in and the defense was still a problem. They had a bunch of players that was drafted off that Oklahoma defense last year, and it still wasn't a good unit, right? Like right, it's right. I think I think you're gonna see the same deficiencies that you saw at Oklahoma. And again, Pac-12 schedule, their schedule is not difficult. So they're going to win some football. It's not like this is going to be a a bad team, right, from a win-loss perspective. But I think that you're going to see when they play better teams. Like I think someone mentioned Utah, right? Like if if and when they play Utah, that's a physical football team, man. Like they're going to punch you in the mouth. And that's a different type of vibe to kind of like how USC wants to play. So they will be able to out-athlete. Some, I don't even have their schedule in front of me, but, like, the Colorados of the world, the Washington States of the world, like, you're going to be able to out-athlete some of those dudes, right? But I think at the end, end of it, defense and offensive and the ability to move people up front, like, those things win football games. I just right. don't think that's USC this year.
1: They're out-of-conference games uh, this season. They open with Rice. They have oh. Fresno State week three, which is, which is a decent team,
2: like a decent, decent program. Yeah.
1: Right. And then Notre Dame, those are the three out of conference games. They've got Stanford, Oregon state, Arizona state, Washington state, Utah, Arizona, Cal, Colorado, and then UCLA. So yeah, they'll be able to out athlete a lot of those teams. There's no question about it, you know? And I I also wonder what it's going to be like with Notre Dame playing USC the week after the UCLA game you know sure that's a big emotional game for on both sides of that rivalry and to see what happens and they're se- and they're, they're senior day right i mean i would think it is or am at I wrong? ucla Actually, no no it would
2: be no- notre dame would be notre dame right the last home game yep 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 yep
1: and they're on they're on the road like, technically against uh ucla so but no i mean coming off that emotional game <laughs> on the, ro- on I mean, on the yeah.
2: road in los angeles Yeah, yeah right <laughs>
1: exactly so yeah it is what it is um But, yeah, so that's USC. They are the number four team on our list uh, in our countdown here. The number three team from process of elimination should not shock too many people. It is the other independent team on Notre Dame's schedule, the BYU Cougars to be played in Las Vegas in October, the Shamrock Series game for Notre Dame, of which they are undefeated in their Shamrock Series game. So there is that. But they are playing a formidable opponent this time around in BYU. That's not always the case when they play their Shamrock series, usually by design. Uh, but this year, they get to play in Sin City, which is going to be a very interesting uh, scenario as well. So BYU comes in at three. What are your thoughts on BYU coming into this thing, Ryan? They're
2: they're a really sneaky good football team, man. Yeah. I mean, they are. they were returning a lot. We just talked about all the weapons that the USC Trojans are returning or bringing over, I should say, but BYU has some homegrown talent that I think is really interesting. Jaron Hall is returning as their quarterback had a nice season last year. It was banged up at some points, but they have a couple wide receivers back as well. Isaac Rex, their tight end is returning from injury after missing um, a, I think, a good portion of last season or all of last season, almost. And Mason Wake at running back. Who's uh who's, well, he's a fullback and he's kind of like a fullback H back hybrid. So, there's a lot of playmakers coming back for BYU and their starting quarterback is returning, obviously in Jaron Hall. Right. Their offensive line's good, man. They have a good left tackle in Blake Freeland. They have a good guard in in, in uh, Clark Barrington who they're both going into their junior and redshirt junior seasons respectively. So they play a physical brand of football. Obviously they're, they lost their running back last year who they'll have to kind of find who their next bell cow type is at that spot. But, I really like what they return offensively, especially. And then defensively, they have guys like Tyler Beatty, who's a really talented defensive lineman. He's like 6'5", 265, 270 pounds. They have Peyton Wolgar, who's a really talented linebacker as well. Chaz Au, who was at one time a really high recruit, also kind of playing that hybrid safety linebacker role. So when I think BYU, I think extreme physicality. I know that they're going to be ready to play as far as being physical up front on both sides of the football they are pretty much a polar opposite to USC for me, right? Like they're going to play a physical downhill brand of football and they're going to play hard and they're going to be a good, gritty football team. And I think that they're a team where like, Hey man, if you're not ready, if you take them lightly or you go into that football game where you don't have your a game early, they can hit you in the mouth. Like they're a a very physical brand of football.
1: And I, I will also say, I like the fact of where it falls in the schedule. It comes after a bye week for Notre Dame. They can kind of, Almost reset a little bit after the beginning part of the schedule with Ohio State, Marshall, Cal, and UNC. So you're going to have a week off. That October 1st uh, weekend is a week off for Notre Dame. So you got two weeks to prepare for BYU. And then after BYU, then you're looking at Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse. So all focus should be on BYU, right? I mean, there's really no reason that you should be looking ahead. You've got a week off you know, depending on how Marcus Freeman deals with his first bye week as a head coach. I I think that that's going to be a very interesting thing as well, because all coaches kind of deal with the bye week differently. I believe that's right around midterms anyway. So there'll be a lot of academic stress there for the players. But I like where it falls in the schedule. Again, I don't feel like this is a game you can look past. You're going to Vegas. You're wearing the Shamrock Series uniforms. You know, all of the things that the kids dig. That's big. And then this is a top 20 football team. I mean, and, and sure. depending on what their record is going into the Notre Dame game, they start things off with South Florida, Baylor, Oregon, Wyoming, and Utah State before they see Notre Dame. That's a either no losses or a one loss situation, I would think, for BYU. So they're going to have a really good record coming in. Notre Dame should be a one loss to no loss team at that point. This could be a good football game, Ryan. I, I'm excited about this football so. game, and it was not difficult for us to put them at number three. And it's a it's a
2: neutral site game, like you're saying, right, out in right. Vegas. And it is a situation where the, it's the Shamrock Series game. So, I mean, BYU knows that too, right? Like they want to yeah. they want to crash the party because that's like a hundred percent, like a big deal for Notre Dame fans and. I mean, we'll see what the crowd looks like. If there's a, a split there, if there's, uh, and it's going to be, I mean, you're going to be at, you're going to be there in Vegas, right? So that'll be a fun time as well. So absolutely, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting, man. It's uh there's a lot of layers to the football game. And I just, I think that BYU is returning a lot. Like again, they're, they're losing their leading rusher. Who's a good football player, but having Jaron Hall back, having Isaac Rex coming back from injury, having the offensive line back and playing the physical brand of football defensive that usually play. I think they're a tough out. Notre Dame should win, but BYU's I think is going to be a tough football game.
1: Look, sixteen of twenty-two starters are returning. I mean, that might be one of the bigger numbers of any of the opponents that Notre Dame has on their schedule. That's a lot of returning talent, right? And we all know that BYU is generally older than other teams as well. So they're 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 returning talent. They're going to be mature about it. You know, this is going to be a tough out for Notre Dame. There's no question about it. I mean, it's again, we're talking about the number three team on Notre Dame's schedule and. Granted, there's a drop-off from one and two, I think, to number three. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is a tough game. and But I like where it lands on Notre Dame's schedule. I like kind of how Notre Dame matches up uh, with these guys, and we'll get more into that when we talk about BYU specifically. But I like the matchups here in this game. I really do. I think it benefits Notre Dame, but it's going to be a physical ball game. And depending on how Notre Dame deals with uh, the time zones and all of that different stuff and all the extra noise – So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's move on to the top two teams uh, on the schedule. I don't think this is a a huge surprise to a lot of people, but the number two team for Notre Dame comes to Notre Dame Stadium on uh, November 5th. It's a night game already scheduled at Notre Dame Stadium. The Clemson Tigers roll in for the much-ballyhooed matchup with uh, the Tigers. This is going to be an interesting game, Ryan. I think that you know, you, you've got Clemson coming in with everything that Clemson is. Notre Dame obviously beat Clemson the last time they were here at Notre Dame Stadium. It was an empty stadium for the, for the most part, which obviously is not good. Uh, but Notre Dame was able to win that battle. Granted, Clemson was missing a few guys, <clears throat> and that was that benefited Notre Dame. They went into overtime. They won that game. So they've got that win under their belts, which is awesome. This game, I feel like it's going to be a little bit different. They still are going to face the same quarterback uh, in Ui Angolale, DJ. I like that matchup. That kid is stuck in the pocket he doesn't really have an opportunity to escape the pocket very often I think Notre Dame is going to keep him right there I think they're going to put a ton of pressure on him but Clemson I mean look it's still Clemson they haven't completely fallen off the map for as bad as they were last year and you know they started out I think three and four I want to say off the top of my head I'm pulling up their record from last year they started 0-1, 2-1, 2-2. Owen one two and one two and two so they started off two and two last year and everybody was just leaving them for dead which to the to your own peril they were a 10win football team last year which I think people forget uh, based on the way they started out and they were out of the national championship hunt pretty early after their losses to Georgia and NC State and then of course they lost another game to Pitt which at that point uh, made them four and three. And everybody's like, well, you know, Clemson's done. So we're not really going to pay attention to them. But then they finished the season on a six game win streak, beating Florida State, Louisville, UConn, Wake Forest, South Carolina. And then they beat Iowa State in the Cheez-It Bowl, right? So they finished the game on a, they finished the season on a 6-0 tear. And they ended up with 10 wins on the season, Ryan. And I think people forget about that based on the way they started the season. This is no slouch. They're picked Win the ACC again. They are a top five team, depending on what publication you're looking at. This team's going to be tough, and yeah. I like the fact that it's at Notre Dame Stadium. I like the fact that it's in November. Obviously, I like the fact that it's going to be a full stadium this time around, as uh, as opposed to two years ago when Clemson came around. But this is this is going to be a very very tough game for Notre Dame and for Marcus Freeman.
2: No, it definitely is, and I apologize for a little bit of technical difficulties on my side there. But it, Clemson is—I mean, they're going to be a tough out, Vince. I mean, Davo Sweeney has created a program that is is built off of consistency, right? And Even Absolutely. in a down year, in a down year, like you were saying, they still win ten football games, right? right. Like it, it, it's a right. double digit win team. I mean, so that defense, I think that. I think we'll have a general understanding as far as how good the Notre Dame offensive line or how much they've improved by this game. Obviously, I think we'll get that first few games of the year. But this is a test, man. Like if Notre Dame is really back and offensive line U is back and they're able to run the football, this is the game that you need to be able to do because you're facing off against guys like Miles Murphy, Tyler Davis, Brian Brissy, Xavier Thomas, KJ Henry, the best defensive line that you're going to play by far. Probably the best defensive line in college football, and then you get Trenton Simpson, who's a dynamic player on the second level. Andrew McCuba is a pretty good football player at safety. Defense is going to is gonna stress you, man. Like, it's going to be a game where you have to be physical, you have to play well, and that defense is going to put you through the ringer. It's not going to be a simple game where, you know, you're going to be able to just kind of do what you want offensively. You're going to have to be able to kind of – you're going to have to be assert yourself on that side of the football. But to your point, right. the biggest question is, what are you going to get offensively? DJ Uyunglele was not a great football player last year, and there were a lot of reasons why. It wasn't fully his fault, but the offensive line wasn't great. You have pretty much everyone coming back. That should be yeah. that should be to your advantage. I mean, you would expect Walter pa- Walker Parks to be a better player in year three. You would ex- expect Jordan McFadden to continue to be a good football player at left tackle. Marcus Tate, I know, started some games that, there as a freshman last year and did a solid job. So you would expect them to be better. I hope that, you know, especially with the – New coaches that are going to be calling on both sides of the football. I would hope there would just be a different structure offensively because I do think that there's a world where DJ young can could be a good football player. Sure, just sure. last year I felt like the offense just didn't fit his style, right? Like Tony Elliott just was not a good fit with him from a scheme perspective. But you have Joseph Ngata, you have Bo Collins, you have Br- uh, Brandon Spector, you have EJ Williams. There's some talent. The question is, do they have anything dynamic as far as yeah. after catch, winning right. down the football field, not just with your size? So if they're an improved football team on the offensive side of the football, Will Shipley coming back at running back, Kobe Pace right. is a pretty good player as well, then they're a really tough team. Then they're a potentially elite team because that defense is absolutely going to be elite. Like there's no doubt in my mind. Oh, that yeah.
1: The front, it's going to be the best front seven I think that Notre Dame faces all season. To be yeah. honest with you, I don't think it's even all that close. And you're right. Notre Dame, in order to win this game, they're going to have to be – Multifaceted offensively they don't have to run for 200 yards okay but they need to at least be able to run when they want to run the football to open up the passing game that they're obviously going to need to win as well I, I like Notre Dame throwing the ball in this game but they have to be able to run the ball otherwise yeah. you know a one-dimensional team is just not very good period so they have so, to be able to run the ball it's gonna be a challenge it's gonna be a huge challenge I love absolutely love Notre Dame's defense against Clemson's offense I do I especially when you get to this point in the season <clears throat> you're into November we're gonna know who Notre Dame is by that point and we're gonna have a pretty good idea of who Clemson is at that point I think we're gonna love that matchup as as people who follow Notre Dame I think the Notre Dame defense matching again against the Clemson offense mm-hmm. I like that matchup I really do it's sure. gonna for me I think this game's gonna come down to what the Notre Dame offense can do against the Clemson defense.
2: I don't disagree. I think both defenses don't hate their matchups against the other offense, right? Like, I think Notre Dame's going to have a good offense, and I think that you are you feel good about what Tyler Buckner and that cast is going to do. But when you're Clemson, that you have all those elite players coming back, I don't think you fear any opposing offense, right? And I think especially with what you saw from Clemson offensively, I think Notre Dame's going to go into that game, at at least right now, in their minds and say, like, we feel good about our chances in that football game. So it's... Could it be a defensive football game or it could be completely different than what we're thinking because, I mean, yeah. Clemson could take a step forward. Notre Dame could take a step forward. Offensively speaking, they could both still have good defenses, but if their offenses are clicking at a different level, then this might be a different football game than we're anticipating. Right now I would say it's probably a more low-scoring affair because I expect both defenses to be pretty legit on both sides of the football. And sure, I agree. I think it, I think it's going to come down to which quarterback is able to have the make a bigger impact on the right. game. Right. right, I mean, it's going to be at that point you're going to know what you have in Tyler Buckner. It's either Buckner's going to step step forward, or D.G. LA is going to have kind of a kind of a, a flip the script type of performance throughout the season. I don't really anticipate it, but it's a very interesting football game. And I mean, if they can run the football against Clemson, then they're going to be in a good spot because Absolutely. that front that front that's seven is key. it's
1: pretty good, man. Pretty good. That's that's going to be the key. Completely agree. You've got to keep them off balance. When it comes to running the football, you're not going to be able to just run between the tackles all the time. You're going to have to go inside. You're going to have to go outside. You're going to have to RPO them. You're going to have to stretch the defense. You're going to have to do a lot of things offensively in order to be successful against this defense. And hopefully by then we will have seen it from Notre Dame's offense, but that's still a question mark going in. We both think that they're going to be pretty good. Irish Breakdown, I think, thinks that Notre Dame's offense is going to be pretty good. I think by November 5th, we're going to have a really good idea of where Notre Dame is at that point. So. Should be a fun matchup right now. I like Notre Dame's chances uh, in that game, but a lot of things can change between now and November 5th. So uh, really looking forward to that one, especially considering. I, I really do think the fact that fans are going to be in the building is going to make a difference. I really do. I, I, the atmosphere is going to be light years different than it was the last time Clemson stepped foot on Notre Dame's campus. Right. And they left with a loss. So I, that that's kind of that might be the X factor going into this thing. you know, Clemson might know what they're expecting coming into Notre Dame Stadium. But it's going to be completely different.
2: I agree completely. I mean it's it's going to be a completely different atmosphere than the last time they were in Notre Dame Stadium and I think that really works into their their favor obviously. I I, I think that for me, Look, there was a big asterisk next to the Notre Dame victory over Clemson a couple years ago because Trevor Lawrence didn't play. Obviously, we've talked enough about that at nauseum at this point. But the point is, is that Notre Dame knows that they can beat Clemson, right? Because yes. they've literally done it. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's like the chip off. It's like the chip off your shoulder, right? Like it's a monkey off your back. That that's the thing where you no know doubt. that it's possible. You know that you have done it now, and they right. they don't care about the circumstances as far as Trevor Lawrence. They know that they can beat Clemson. So, right, I again physical football game, but having them at home, I
1: think is a big thing for Notre Dame coming yeah. into the season. Huge. And Hey man, as a fan and as somebody that covers the, the team, I can't wait for that game. it's going to be yep. awesome. I am really looking forward to that one, but Hey, we got some time to do now and then. All <laughs> right. The wait is finally over. This is the Good. most, yeah, this is the most unclimactic uh, number one team on Notre Dame schedule. I think we all knew that this was going to be the case but it is clear that it is going to be the Ohio State Buckeyes, the first game of the season on the road, September 3rd. We've had it circled on the calendar for years, going to the Horseshoe. I mean, look, this is going to be a very, very, very difficult game going in for Notre Dame. They don't have the tune-up game that you know everybody thinks that they – not everybody, that a lot of people think they should have going into Ohio State – I could easily – like, if this was a debate, I could e- I could take either side of the debate as to whether they should have a tune-up game or whether they should not have a tune-up game going into this thing because I think the big question marks for Notre Dame going into the Ohio State game are the unknowns. Like, the, the, the unknowns, I think, can help Notre Dame against Ohio State as opposed to if they had a game under their belts, they got film. You know, they, as in Ohio State, would have film on Notre Dame, et cetera. But the bottom line is this is going to be, I think, the biggest test for Notre Dame throughout the entire season. And they get them week one.
2: Yeah, I I don't think that you're going to get a full scope as far as what exactly Notre Dame is as a football team after week one. But I think you're going to get a pretty good early (laughs) indication, right? Like you're playing a team that has been a perennial power, has won a lot of football games. They are have as much offensive firepower as any team that you're going to see. Even oh. you're know, more than USC, even more than USC because you have CJ Stroud, who's a Heisman Trophy finalist. You have Trayvon Henderson, who's the best running back you're going to see all season. Marvin Harrison Jr., J- Jackson Smith, and Jigba, who just went over 1600 yards, playing with two other first round wide receivers, Julian yeah. Fleming, Ameka. Uh, I, I, I always I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so we'll just call him uh, Big E as <laughs> as the um, as the other wide receiver there. And I expect the offensive line to be better. Last year, it was not good. Like, it just was not. Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, I thought, was a very overrated football player. I thought that Dyer Munford took a step back moving inside the guard. They had some shuffling at center, obviously. I think Luke Whitler did a good job coming in for Harry Miller. But you're still working with a couple of knowns up front because you had Paris Johnson kicking out the left tackle. I think Paris is going to be a good football player, so I think he's going to be a good left tackle for them. Really talented kid. But you have Donovan Jackson who's going to be stepping in for the first time as a redshirt freshman, and Matthew Jones is now going to be the full-time starter, not just kind of rotating in. So you have a couple guys playing in new spots on the offensive line, but there's a lot of talent up front. DeJuan Jones is a talented player, although I think he should get in a little bit better of shape. Paris Johnson is a first-round level talent. We'll see how he's developed. Donovan Jackson, I'm told, is going to be a dude, and I thought Luke Whipler was probably their most – Not their best, but their most consistent offensive lineman last year. And they have Justin Fry coming in from UCLA. So I think their offensive line is going to take a huge step forward. And I think it's just going to be a better football team. And they have, obviously, offensive firepower. My biggest question is, what is the defense going to look like in game one? We've talked a lot about a Jim Knowles' defense first couple games of the season or first season in general. They are usually a little bit of a slow start. Ohio State does have talents defensively. I mean, you have guys like Zach Harrison and JT at the other defensive end, and Tyleek Williams, who's a good football player. Still Chambers after transitioning from running back over to linebacker, I thought had some really nice moments last year. Cameron Brown's a pretty solid corner. Ronnie Hickman was maybe their best defensive player last year overall. So there's some talent, but the defense wasn't great last year, and now you're breaking in a new system. So I expect Notre Dame to have success offensively, but I also expect Ohio State to – have a lot of success offensively sure. as well. Not because Notre Dame's defense isn't good, just because you know, they really have teams everywhere. Yeah. They're really good. They've really them offensive line, and they have first-round players all around the offensive offensive skill position. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's really going to depend on what is Jim Knoll's defense going to look like game one. That's the yeah. biggest question that I have in Ohio State, but there's surely talent everywhere.
1: I think getting them week one is huge. For many reasons. Uh, like I said, I think the question marks for Notre Dame help them going into this game. <clears throat> I think that's a big one. I also think that Ohio State gets better as the season goes on. Sure. So getting them week one benefits Notre Dame uh, in, in that regard. Now, how much? That remains to be seen. I, there, there was a comment in here that I want to bring up because I think it's very important uh to understand as well Wick 13 says i think regardless of how the game goes the number one thing is to not overreact to the outcome and i think that goes for whether notre dame wins or whether notre dame loses sure don't overreact because <clears throat> if they win this game people are going to you know be celebrating in the streets it's going to be crazy it's going to be a Super Bowl. Super and Bowl. if they yep. lose it's going to be marcus freeman needs to be fired he's not the guy we told you he couldn't win. you know we we got another guy who can't win the big game and don't overreact either way, right? Yep. Either way, <clears throat> I still believe Notre Dame is going to be a really good team this year, okay? Ohio State's really, really, really good. They have talent across the board. So Notre Dame's going to get tested early and often in that game, which, guess what? That's why I like watching college football.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, amen. Amen. I- I think the one thing is like, I don't want it to be a blowout. Like I want Notre Dame to win, but I want it to be a good competitive football game, right? Like I want to see good football Absolutely. be played. And I think that it is going to be a good football game. I keep having Ohio state people ask me like, what do I expect? I expect a good a, a competitive football game where it goes from there. I mean, you could convince me, you can give me 10 different reasons why it can go either way that Notre Dame wins that Ohio state wins. And I know we're going to dive a lot deeper into that, you know, leading up to the game. But Regardless, I think Notre Dame's going to come to play. I mean, at one point, Vince, I haven't seen the spread lately, but like it was 14 points at one point, or like 14 oh, yeah, like and a half. I'm, yeah, it was, it was, it's disrespectful, man. It's just even if you, even if you don't, even if you don't respect Notre Dame, to think in the game one in the new era of Marcus Freeman, if they're going to go out and lose by two touchdowns, I think that's disrespectful, man. I, I'm not even saying that they're going to win outright, I'm just saying like. You don't yeah. even think it's going to be competitive. Like, exactly. Th- the line says it's not be, going to really be a competitive football game. So I, I think Notre Dame, I think it's going to be a good game. I think Notre Dame is going to be competitive. But it is a big measuring stick. Like you're going to have a very Huge. quick indication, not only from a national perspective, but also I'm a recruiting guy. So it's going to have a lot of recruiting implications, man. People are going to look at that game and be like, oh. They're either going to be like, oh, Notre Dame's real. Or they're going to say – Maybe maybe yeah. things haven't changed that much, right? And I think that's going to be a, a huge momentum either way, negative or positive. But I think I think that Notre Dame has a chance to show themselves very well to open up the season, which is yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great.
1: I, there hasn't been a season opener like this that I've been looking forward to more because of the on-field product, because of everything that's been going on in the off-season for Notre Dame, you know, off the field. every I have been looking forward to this. Big time. And it's going to be a lot of fun either way. As long as Notre Dame doesn't get blown out, which I don't think will happen. I agree with you that it's disrespectful. And it's a line I'm willing to jump on. I'll tell you that right now. I think Notre Dame can 100%. keep in those two touchdowns. I really, really do. So I agree. I it's going to be fun. And, you know, I, I've heard the horrors. I've heard the tales. But I'm excited to go to Ohio State as well and see what, what the fuss is about. You know what I mean? So that, that's going to be fun, too. So that's going to do it for this portion of the broadcast. Stick around because we are going to do a mailbag. Start throwing your questions in now. And Ryan and I will do our best to answer all of your questions. But this is going to be the end of the first section of the podcast. So make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share with your friends. Give us a five-star review on the podcast as well. And we really appreciate it. We will be back tomorrow with a brand new topic, of course, uh, with our normal 1 o'clock start time. I'm not sure what that topic is yet, so stay tuned. You never know what we're going to come back with. we got a bunch of stuff kind of in the hopper that we're kind of rolling around with and seeing where we're at. But uh, we will be back at 1 o'clock tomorrow, so make sure you stick around.